This is the People in Their Work podcast. I am Professor Doug Gardner in the Student Leadership and Success Studies Department at Utah Valley University. In this podcast, you will hear the first-person stories of people journeying through their education, work, and career decision-making. Margaret Peterson Haddix is a well-known and beloved author. Shortly before this interview took place, my own children declared Margaret their favorite author of all time. Margaret shares the personal side of what it's like being Margaret Peterson Haddix. This interview took place during the 2021 For the Love of Reading conference. My name is Margaret Peterson Haddix, and I'm the author of 46 published books, and I have some more that are coming out next year, so I can kind of claim that I've, I've written 49. Not all of them are out yet. They're for kids ranging from kind of early readers through kind of middle, what they call middle grade, which is for ages 8 to 12, and then some that are for young adults that are 12 and up. And I've been, my first book came out in 1995, and so I've been doing this for a long time. It was not a direct path to get where I am now. I definitely, from a pretty young age, knew that I loved to write. I didn't know how that would work. I grew up on a farm, and people who grew up on farms tend to be pretty grounded, and uh, my parents were definitely pretty are definitely very practical people. When I went off to college, I was pretty sure that if I majored in something like creative writing or you know something artsy that didn't lead to a paying job would not necessarily be popular with my parents, but also I was pretty practical as well and realized that even though I dreamed of becoming a published writer and writing fiction, I was aware that that's not the easiest thing to break into and that sometimes it takes years and, and sometimes people try and try and try and never make money at it even though they get published they may not make money at it. When I went to college I kind of debated a lot about what I should do. It was something that I thought about for a long time and prayed about and at the college that I went to there were seven different majors of English that you could have and at one time or another I think I said that my major was five of them at one time or another. That at one point I thought, well, I, I, maybe I should be a teacher. I, you know, I like, I like kids. It might work. And I had a friend who was in the uh, English education program, and she was very passionate about it. And I thought, no, I'm, I'm not like her. That's not my passion. That's not something that I really want to do. And then I kind of thought about technical writing because it seemed like you had to take a lot of creative writing classes and a lot of kind of more practical classes. And I thought maybe that's it. I never actually took a technical writing class because I realized very quickly that, that wasn't what I wanted to do. Although I have friends who have done that, have been very successful and it is a great route because writing is necessary in many different ways. Ultimately what I settled on, I ended up majoring both in English slash journalism and English slash creative writing. And so when I got out of school, I worked at newspapers, um, worked for a while as both a copy editor and a reporter. It's funny, you think when you figured out what you're majoring in in college, that's kind of the end. But it's really just the beginning because the work that I did at the newspaper gave me great experience that then helped me succeed in what I ultimately wanted to do. I would definitely advise kids, well, not, a, not our students or kids, but students who are trying to figure out what to major in or what they want to do, I think it's important not to see it as just 
you know, you make one decision and then you've got it all figured out. It's kind of a journey and you have to figure out at each stage along the way what you think you're most interested in, what seems like the best path. I, I'm old enough now that I can look back and there are a lot of things that kind of phases in my career or phases in my education that I didn't think that it was leading anywhere. And I look back and I'm like, you know, that wasn't necessarily the most enjoyable phase of my life, but it got me where I am now. And so I think I also like to tell young people who are trying to figure out what to do, not to despair if you feel like you're not on the right path. Think, what am I learning from this situation right now? Um, sometimes if you get an internship and you really hate that job, that's not a failure. That's a sign, okay, it's time to make sure I'm not doing this the rest of my life because we spend a lot of time at work and it's important to do something that you find is fulfilling and meaningful. My husband would tell you that we have a slightly different perspective on this particular aspect of my life, that when I got out of college, I had an internship over the summer that was a fellowship and then the fellowship ended and I was ready for my real life to begin. I accepted a job that was not exactly the job that I wanted. It was working as a copy editor rather than working as a reporter. And it wasn't that I disliked being a copy editor, but I wasn't passionate about it. It was, it was something that I knew was important. Um, I was doing a lot of fact checking. I was working at a newspaper and it's important that what newspapers report, that it be factual and accurate. I think it's also important that there not be grammatical mistakes. It makes it easier to read and it also makes you trust the newspaper a little bit more. So what I was doing was important, but it was just kind of the same thing every day. And I didn't feel like I was using my own creativity. Um, and, and I can remember a conversation I had with another copy editor that I had gotten a job offer as a reporter pretty soon after I took that job. And she was kind of asking me, like, how are you trying to make this decision? And I said, well, you know, reporting, it's like some days are great and some days are terrible. It's kind of like a roller coaster, but, but you know, some days are great. And she's like, you want the roller coaster. I can tell that's, that's who you are. You want the roller coaster. And I was like, I am. <laughs> so it was kind of the realization that I had to, I had to learn by having that job that that was not really what I wanted. It wasn't that I was terribly unhappy. It wasn't a bad, it was a good job, but it wasn't exactly the job that I wanted. One of the twists was that I had gotten married. My husband, while I was still working as a reporter, he went to grad school and then was interviewing for jobs. And I, we had agreed that we would move wherever he was going to get a job. And he ended up getting a job as a city editor at a newspaper in a fairly small town. And that meant that if I wanted to continue working as a newspaper reporter, he would have to be my boss, which the company did not have any anti-nepotism rule. I mean, it, if there had been an opening, it would have been possible. It wasn't something anybody else was saying to me, you can't do this. I felt like that would be a bad situation. <laughs> I, I just didn't, I, I thought, you know, that's, that's not really what I want. And, and that would be problematic, I think. I thought to look at this as an opportunity instead of, you know, a door being slammed in my face. And I have always said I wanted 
to write fiction. And it's kind of hard to do that when you're working full time as we're writing the whole day anyhow. It's kind of hard to then come home and continue writing on another project. I, I told myself, this is my opportunity to then write fiction. And I was also kind of thinking maybe I do want to be a teacher. Like I felt, you know, maybe that is something that would be a job that I would like. And so I ended up teaching part-time at a community college in the area. Did that, doing that part-time, I kind of told myself, okay, the other half of kind of a work day, I'm going to write fiction and I'm gonna get serious about this. I'm going to send things out and I'm, I'm finally going to do what I've said I want to do. That was great suffered rejection for two and a half years. I had had some success with my fiction before that, but then once we moved to that small town, I was kind of in a dry spell and um, it was a very frustrating time. And there were times that my husband said to me, why are you putting yourself through this? And, and he said, you know, sometimes people never get published and why, you know, will you be miserable forever if you never get published? And at that point I was crying and I was like, maybe. <laughs> But um, it, it said to me it was important enough that I wanted to keep trying. It was something that I thought was worth keeping on, even though I was constantly facing adversity and constantly having my, the door stoned to my face. There were other factors there too, which is that we were, thought it was about time to start a family. I also felt I wanted to have more control over my schedule. I knew having worked as a reporter, I didn't think that would work well with having small children. My idea of what the ideal life would be for me career-wise had changed by that point. I think that's extremely common. In that particular time, it was hard because I thought I am, even, even when I was in despair about not getting published, getting constant rejection letters, I still enjoyed the writing. I was still having fun writing the fiction that I was writing. That kind of was a double-edged sword because on one hand I was kind of thinking, well, I'm having fun with this, but if I never get published, it's not benefiting anybody else. You know, like I, I should be doing something that's helping the world. There's all sort of need out there. It is hard to break into writing. There are lots of other creative fields that it's also hard to break into. And kind of the good and bad thing about writing is judging the quality of it is a very subjective thing. That it, some of it is a matter of taste, that some people like one style of writing and other people find that appalling and hate it. So. That was another problem when I was kind of at my low point and I was sending things out and getting rejected constantly. I was getting no positive reinforcement for, you know, no one saying to me, you know, you're good, you're good, keep trying. That's really hard. It's hard when you're doing something and you feel like it's what is really meaningful to you and what it's what you want to do and there's nobody cheering you on. That's a really hard thing. It was just, kind of the spiral of despair often that I would think, am I just doing this for my own enjoyment? Because I was enjoying the writing and that seemed really selfish to me. But on the other hand, I was still enjoying the writing even when I was really discouraged and really questioned if what I was writing was any good and if anybody would ever want to read it. So that was one of the things that made me think that this is going to work out at some point. I wouldn't be enjoying this this much if there wasn't something valuable in it. 
the funny thing is when I finally found out that I was going to have, I, I wrote my second book before my first book was published. The day that I got the call, you know, the call, I had ultimately gotten an agent and I got the call from her that Simon & Schuster was interested in buying both of the books. Um, obviously it was a very joyous occasion, but it was in the middle of, my husband and I were moving from Illinois to the area around Scranton, Pennsylvania, and I had never been in Scranton, Pennsylvania in my life. I knew nobody, and we had to make the move very quickly, so it was kind of a stressful time because of that. My daughter was a year and a half old, and she was a very active one and a half year old, kind of at that phase where she was getting into anything and everything, and she had to be watched every single minute. I was also five months pregnant with our son. I also had the flu. <laughs> And, you know, there were packers there literally in the house, you know, helping us get ready to go. It, it was kind of funny because I was like, okay, this is what I've been dreaming of for years and I'm really happy about it, but I don't have time to even think about what I'm feeling because we're moving. <laughs> so uh, I, I kind of had, it, you kind of realize the big moments sometimes in stages. Sometimes you dream about, you know, this is gonna be the moment that everything is perfect and then um, it doesn't always work out that way. It, it's more, you know, I'm just gonna gradually appreciate things along the way. I, I guess what it comes down to is call, like what am I called to do with my life? And um, that was something that was very important to me. And if I can back up a little bit, when I was really deciding which major to major in, the summer between my freshman and sophomore year of college, I felt like I needed to know by the beginning of sophomore year. And I was working at a 4-H camp that summer. And I can remember just praying and praying and praying and praying like, what is the answer? What am I supposed to do? And um, that was the point that I thought the answer was, well, do technical writing because that, you know, you, you take classes in creative writing and in journalism with technical writing. So maybe that's the answer. And um, that was what got me to take creative writing and journalism classes so I felt like it was the right answer, even though I didn't end up majoring in creative writing. So sometimes there are answers along the way that are the right answers for that moment, but it's okay that the answers change as you go farther down the road. And I can give a, a very specific example of that, that one of the things that when I was working as a copy editor, um, which was in Fort Wayne, Indiana, uh, when I was working as a copy editor, one of the things that I had to do often was cut down other people's writing. Like they had written a you know, 15 inch story and then it turned out that there was only six inches worth of space. So I had to be the one to cut, to cut more than half out of the story. That, <laughs> that was very challenging sometimes because sometimes you know the story did deserve to be a longer story but there was only six inches of space in the newspaper so you had to cut it down. And um, so that was something that I did not enjoy about that job. And I was thinking, oh, this is a waste of time. Well, then later on with my third book, at the time, the idea was that kids and teens would not read a book longer than 200 pages. Um, this was before Harry Potter, obviously. And I did not realize that that was kind of the accepted rule at that time within the literary world for kids and teenagers and so when I got my editorial letter back from my editor on that particular book it was about about 300 pages 
and my editor said it needs to be about 200 pages. So I needed to cut out a third of the book. When I was doing that, I was so grateful for the experience that I'd had almost 10 years earlier when I was working as a copy editor. I was like, I learned how to do that. I, I know how to do it with my own writing because I did it all the time on other people's writing. So sometimes skills that you learn that you think are totally useless, they end up coming back around and being very useful. I think a lot of people assume that once you get a first book published or once you've had five books published or once you've had 10 books published, you know what you're doing. <laughs> but a lot of times some of the struggles that I had on some of those earlier books, I still have those same struggles. I think they're not necessarily exactly the same because I'm, I'm more confident now. I feel more like, I do feel like I know more what I'm doing, but there are certain things, work is work. There, there are always things that come up as problems. And I think we've kind of been sold this bill of good as Americans that, you know, like once you reach this certain level of success, you're golden. Everything will be great after that. And, and, and there are many ways in which that's true. I'm not complaining about having had success. I feel very fortunate, but there are still problems at every level. You still have to expect that there are things that you have to figure out. and. Uh, and, and sometimes you want different things too. And, and that's okay. It's okay even if you're at some sort of a pinnacle of success to say, you know what, this isn't, this isn't really where I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to go do that instead. I think it's really important not to make work the only thing that you have in your life. And one of the things, starting out as a writer, uh, trying to get my books published, one of the things that I was really looking for when I was hoping to be dreaming of being published was that I thought that would give me a more flexible work life, that I would have a little bit more control over when I was working and when I had time with my family because I knew that my husband and I wanted to have children and I wanted to be able to be an involved parent. I wanted to be there uh, for their after school events and um, be the PTO mom, that kind of thing. And I, I, that was something that I really valued and I thought that uh, being a writer would work that out. So um, work-life balance I think is very important. And I think also giving back to the community is really important. That uh, I, I'm very involved in my church and um, have done a lot of activities through that and that has been very helpful and could have given me perspective too. That sometimes when things aren't going so great with the writing, it's like, okay, this isn't all there is. I am Doug Gardner, and this has been the People in Their Work podcast. Music by Christopher Weiss. Images are from the UVU Roots of Knowledge stained glass exhibit by Holdman Studios.